What's this one, Chris? Why well, sort of made the uh, Knox our uh, unofficial band, uh, unofficial band of uh, the show. Okay, this is the Knox featuring uh, Carl, Carly Rae Jepsen. Oh, okay. Remember her? I do. Just call me. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I hadn't heard from her in a long time. Long time. Is this is this current? I don't even know the song. Eh, it's a few Relative. years. Okay. Pre-pandemic. Well, then it's 100 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Long, long time ago. Good thing we got that handled. Yes. Yes. All in check. Uh, the World Series will continue here. We're going to hear from the commissioners coming up in our next segment. Commissioner talk. Very cringeworthy. We'll let you hear from both Roger Goodell and Rob Manfred coming up again at the bottom of the hour. More, much more on the Kings and the Suns, which uh, gets started this four-game road trip for the Sacramento Kings as we take you up to Kings uh, game night at uh, 530 with High Flyer Henry Turner and Scott Marsh. All right, last night um, we had a situation where the World Series got started with game one. And, you know, we spent some time on this where I, I feel like here in this particular region, you, well, the A's didn't make it. So the A's fans were, were already uh, bummed by that. Then you have the Giants fans that were about as all in as could be because it was a dream season for San Francisco. The way they played, the way they looked, uh, just how they had to hang on to win the division uh, because the Dodgers were pushing them and pushing them, and they just played great baseball all season long. And they had the look of a team that could win the whole thing. And then they get put into a situation where they avoided the wild card. Dodgers have to go through that, get past the Cardinals, and uh, the Giants and Dodgers played as entertaining a series that I can remember in a long, long time. But the fact is the Giants were gone and eliminated, so that bothered that portion of fan base around here. Then probably the next best thing to root for was root against the Dodgers. And now they're out. So you've got a World Series here in Northern California particularly. Makes me wonder, what are people cheering for, rooting for? What do they want? Are they even watching? Are they following? The tie is Dusty Baker. Besides that, He's on the team that most people seem to hate the most in the Houston Astros. So last night it gets started in in a rarity, a leadoff home run by the visiting team. Hit well, deep left. That's going back. That ball is gone. One nothing Braves. And Jorge feels like busting loose. And that's how you start a World Series. Yeah, fantastic way for the A's, or the, excuse me, the A's, the Braves to get going. Uh, but they would add another run in that inning, and I think it was important that they added the next couple of runs, right? They went up a run in the second. They got two more in the third. So now you're just cruising. Five to nothing, ultimately, to get here. Ground ball out to Ozzy, boots it, picks it up, throws to first base, and deep in the heart of Texas, the Braves have taken game one. They are three wins away from a World Series championship. Yeah, so the Braves look good. They get a game one win. Everything was right for the most part, except for this situation. Altuve strikes out looking for the second time. And after that last pitch... For the strikeout of Altuve, Charlie Morton is going to exit, injured himself on this delivery. All right, so that was from the uh, Fox Television Network there. Charlie Morton, uh, just an awful situation where he had the leg fracture. He only was able to go two and a third. 
He had given up a hit, actually uncharacteristically, had had some walks, but then you go to Minter, Jackson, Matzik, and Smith, a lot of bullpen innings and production. The Braves' bullpen got it done, but in game one of a series that you didn't expect to be a bullpen game, what will that do in the longevity now of the series? Astros were favored coming in. They've got the better offense coming in, but you know the Braves have been underdog a lot this season, certainly after the Acuna injury and in a couple of their postseason matchups, but they've been able to get through. So they feel a little bit like a team of destiny to me where the Astros just had too many guys right now that aren't hitting. And you look at the top of the lineup, Altuve, uh, certainly it's been a struggle for for Bregman for a couple of series. Brantley had a couple more hits yesterday, and Jordan Alvarez was incredible in the series before that. Correa generally has been pretty good in the postseason. So it becomes a critical game too today, probably more so for Houston, uh, in the last, what is it, 20 years, there's only been one team that started the World Series up 2-0 on the road, and that was the uh, the Nationals, if you remember that series a couple years ago where the road team won every game all the way through that series, which was one of the more unique series uh, that we've had in recent memory. But uh, let's hear from uh, the managers here. First off from uh, Brian Snitker on the whole situation with his pitcher, Charlie Morton, who means a lot to this team. I even heard comments after the game where some of the players were talking about, you know, they obviously knew he went out. Um, and, you know, is it a blister? They 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 didn't know entirely. They saw him hobbling a little bit. Uh, it sounded like some of the players got the information about the fracture in the leg and that he was going to be done for the rest of the year in the fifth or sixth inning. And that can be really, really rough, but they still had the lead and they found a way to win. Here's their manager talking about Charlie Morton. He wanted to keep going because he was down in the tunnel and he was thrown against the wall and it said, you know, it just kind of hurts more when I run. I feel good when I throw. I mean, just the fact that he wanted to keep going. That's Charlie. I mean, he, he wants to be on this stage and God bless him. It's, it's I hate it for him. Really hate it for him. He's such a great person. Great person and teammate. I just, I, I do. I really hate it for him because I know he was really looking forward to this run with us. Well, he's still a part of the team, but obviously not there uh, being able to contribute to his part to help them win. But he did briefly yesterday. Uh, Brian Snitker, more on, on the way the game was going, right? We told you the two run first, a run in the third, a couple more in the third, uh, in the, uh, they got the run in the second, a couple more in the third. And really in control of the game, a couple of threats by the Houston Astros who are a team that can come back. It's a really good offense. But here's more from Brian Snitker. You know, against this club here, I'd rather get a 5 nothing lead after the seventh inning than when we did because they have so much time to come back, and it's such a dangerous team. And that 5 nothing feels like one to nothing, quite honestly, to me. And they've been through these wars, and they're so dangerous, and they're, they're so relentless. That's why I still like the Astros in this series, but uh, they're down 1-0, and tonight becomes a game where you, they need, speaking of they, Houston needs a much better performance by Urquidy to get them a little bit long, longer into the game and keep it close and see if their bats start to warm up. Here's, here's Dusty Baker. The first batter hits it out of the ballpark, and so you know it was, it was kind of a negative from the very beginning. Ball didn't bounce our way uh, tonight. Not at all, and that's not a team that's going to panic. A lot of a lot of games left in this series, at least they hope so. And I think as it goes longer, um, the the Braves are the one that's going to have to answer for a key cog to their starting rotation in Charlie Morton. Um, he was likely, if this thing went five, which I think most people think will at least go that, but who knows, unless the Braves get a sweep, would 
probably go again in five and then be in an all-hands-on-deck situation in a game seven if needed. But now you don't have him. Now he's completely removed from the mix. And so Atlanta has to adjust. And I think today they announced that uh, the roster spot would be filled by uh, Tucker Davidson, who's a left-hander. So Morton suffered that fibula injury after being struck in the lower leg. It was a comeback, or I think they said even it came back, you know, it was a 100-mile return coming back after it hit him in the leg and then try to keep going, but he is going to be sidelined until spring training. Davidson, he's 25. He had a couple of big league starts this season, but looks like, you know, he's going to just be and hasn't appeared in the, any major league postseason game. So that one is just a position filler likely and, and as needed, but that could be something that dictates still the uh, terms of this World Series. Uh, yesterday, uh, I can't remember who got it. Let me see if I can find this. You know the whole premise, Chris, of the steal a base, steal a taco? Oh, yeah. We get tacos. Thanks to Ozzy Albies. He stole a base. Is there really a taco, though? I don't know. Not my favorite. Not my favorite. It's a good promotion because I think it's catchy. It's I don't know when they started. It's been several years back. You remember it was a while ago, and it had to be like a home run on like a target or something yeah, like, like that? Yeah, it was very specific. Like, come on, that's not going to happen. That's a, a stolen base, whatever. Yeah. What is it, a $15, taco, $0.15 cent taco? Yeah, yeah, we'll give it away. I don't know. Um, I, I didn't read the fine print. How does this work? Like, gen- They generally pick a day, and then is it a, a time frame of hours or something? It's one day where you could go in and get a free taco. Do you have to wink, wink, buy something else like a soda or a... I don't think so. It's just legitimately you could but go I, and get a taco. Yeah, I think, but you can... It's only for one order. Okay. And so I believe like a lot of people, what they do is go like... Multiple Taco Bells? Multiple Taco Bells. And you can get a lunch? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean who are you really screwing over there? <laughs> I did it! I showed everybody. I made a free lunch. Thank you, Ozzy Albies. And I think they keep it going. I don't know if it's just a one-day thing, because it happened in game one already. Yeah, it's just a one-day thing. Oh. They pick it... I think it's like even after the World Series. Oh, but so now it's irrelevant the rest of the day if, if somebody steals a base. No yeah. tacos. Yeah. All right. Well, we got it. It's happened. It's been done. It's been secured. Uh, game two is coming up. They're going to start in about an hour. Uh, looking at some of the lineups that were released today, I think the Braves had changed the top part of their lineup. Remember, Solaire had uh, batted first yesterday and had the leadoff home run. I think they moved him down in the lineup. Um, and it looks like for the most part – the Astros will keep that lineup that's been so productive, yet right now Altuve and Bregman are the two that have been have been struggling the most. So, All right, that's our thought on the World Series. We will break here when we come back. We mentioned this earlier. Uh, the commissioners in a couple of the sports, the NFL and certainly Major League Baseball, yeah, they talked. We have the audio. It's a little cringeworthy. We'll let you hear that when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. All right, back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Jason Ross here with you. Uh, coming up at 5 o'clock, Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com, will join us, get his weekly visit on all things going on in the NFL and in college football with a new week of action starting tomorrow. Uh, again, that Thursday night game, a good one. Packers and Cardinals can be heard right here on KHDK tomorrow night. Tonight, more basketball, the Kings in game number four. They're on the road in Phoenix against the Suns. We've got that coming your way as well. All right, uh, we said this going to break. Uh, this isn't going to be the finest 
uh, set of audio for uh, said commissioners, but they're the ones that said it. They were the ones that were put on the spot. Yesterday was the start of the World Series, and so Rob Manfred was in kind of an informal opportunity talking about uh, a couple of different situations, but you do have a series that has the Astros, a team that got caught up in a lot of uh, stuff that the league tried to just get around, but certainly the cheating scandal that they had. And then we have the Atlanta Braves, and the Tomahawk Chop is still going on, something that's not uh received well everywhere but rob manfred was was talked was asked about this and uh here is what he said the community receives the gesture and i think in atlanta as i said before they've done a great job with the native americans i think the native american community is the most important group to decide whether it's appropriate or not and they have been unwaveringly supportive of the race all right let me see if i can find uh another part there because that was sounded a little bit muffled there but uh rob manfred um really put himself in a in a difficult spot on on several situations here and like we said yesterday didn't didn't have him coming out in the most um endearing light how about just the game itself where it is right now and what they're trying to do to elevate play and elevate the marketing of the league we don't market our game on a nationwide basis. You know, ours is an everyday game. You got to sell tickets every single day to the fans in that market. And there are all sorts of differences among the clubs, among the regions as to how the game's marketed. Well, and that's that's the thing too is is baseball has kind of played it that way. Yeah, we are going to make it regional. We'll let you take care of it. Um, it it's too many times that, that right now the sport does have some great young players but i think the nba does a great job and even the nfl of you you really do know who the other players are and who's coming to town and why and how you can follow them and and whether it's uh the ability to see all the games the ability to market players so well highlights get out there so quickly of all the the other teams it's just baseball i remember being you know a kid whether i was collecting cards or the fact that i could just on the spot for the longest time, probably name you a batting lineup and going around the field and who's playing left center and right for the Reds third, short, second, and first for years. And right now, if you ask me to do the same, I can remember from back then who those teams were less than the last five, 10 years. And I don't know why that is. Uh, There's more games. There's more, there's, they play all the time. It just has been super regionalized. And I think here I'm really well dialed into the A's and the Giants. And then you get that other team that comes in, but they kind of come in and go, and it just it doesn't seem to resonate like it did years before for baseball. Now for football, uh, also Roger Goodell was speaking, and football's got a lot of things going on. We told you earlier about the Stan Kroenke situation, uh, what he is trying to get now other owners to help pay for the lawsuit that they've got going on uh, with the St. Louis Rams. You know, I actually found some audio. Of that? Of that. Okay. And it's pretty interesting. I think this is an exclusive. Ooh. I don't think that you're going to hear this anywhere else. Okay. I haven't seen anything on this. But this is what Kroenke said to the other 31 owners of the NFL when he asked them to, when he said he wasn't going to cover all the legal fees for the Rams. Oh, here it is. I'm not paying it. <laughs> What's that? Uh, I'm not. I'm not paying the bill. This is too much money. I'm not paying it. I just don't want to pay it. 
Okay, you know, uh, and I'm what? not gonna pay. So very interesting, very exclusive. I have no idea where you got that, but that's what it is. I'm not gonna pay it. <laughs> not going to pay it. Will you guys help? I know I have boatloads of money. <laughs> the other, it was so funny because the more you read it, the crazier it gets. It was Jerry Jones kind of threatening the rest of the league. He's just like, hey, I mean, he can sue us if he wants to <laughs> and make us pay for it anyways. And he's like, remember, when I had a deal and then I sued the league, you want him to do that? These are all awful people. How dirty is that room, right? And I want to say they're probably not all awful, but I, I don't know that. I don't know that. I don't know it. But that group that's leading the charge here certainly looks bad. Uh, also, the, the people leading the group are bad, and then the other people are okay with those people leading the group. Yeah, yeah. Um, football. All right, what else going on in football? Uh, the trade deadline's coming up. There's talk about Deshaun Watson, but what's going on with Deshaun Watson? Is he going to be able to play? Uh, d- should he be able to play? Roger Goodell was talking about Deshaun Watson and uh, the exempt list. That process is still ongoing. And until that process is ongoing and we have enough data and enough information to be able to make a determination of whether he should go on commissioner exam, uh, we don't feel that we have that necessary information at this point. All right, that's part one of what we got here from the commissioner. Much more, including Roger Goodell talking about or was uh, addressed about the people protecting those that maybe have come forward on on a couple of things, obviously regarding uh, the Washington football team. Steps were put in place to make sure it does not happen again. And so we think protecting the people that helped us get to that place, the people that unfortunately had to live through that experience, that we respect them and make sure that we protect them. Okay, but what steps were taken? What has been done? This was a good follow-up here to the commissioner about uh, really why aren't we getting more information on the Washington football team? If what came out in seemingly so much detail, or at least nuggets that were given to us about John Gruden, if the whole initiative, the whole initiative was about the Washington football team and Dan Snyder and the way that culture and that organization was running, why have we not heard more? Here's a question from the reporter. Based on the fact that you guys produced, you know, 250 pages on Tom Brady, 150 pages on um, on Richie Incognito, and 100 pages on Ray Rice, why is it that there isn't a written report on what happened with the Washington football team and the investigation you guys did into that? As you know, uh, there was a summary of the findings. We had an independent counsel look at that. They worked on it almost a year. I think interviewed roughly 150 people, and I think close to six million documents that they worked through. But one of the important things by getting in a professional that has worked in this space was making sure that you had people who were willing to come forward, most of which wanted to do so with security and privacy and anonymity, and it would be difficult for us to do that. And that not only affects the investigation that you're going through, but it affects future investigations and the credibility of that. So when you make a promise to protect anonymity, you need to stand by that. We're very conscious of making sure that we're protecting uh, those that came forward, they were incredibly brave, incredibly open, and we respect the pain that they probably went through all over again uh, to come forward. That was a, a very high priority for us. The second would be our focus, and our focus remains, is to make sure that all our clubs uh, operate the highest levels as far as our workforce and workplace and making sure that we set the highest standards because it's an important thing for us. You know, it's interesting when I hear that, Chris. I don't know what you think about it, but he's very 
open with trying to protect those that came forward. And I'm, I'm not anti that by any means. But what risk are they under? I mean, is this something where, like, if there, if, if there is a, besides bringing up something painful again, I, I don't want to diminish that, but if there's any kind of threat to them, that's also a problem. Yeah, and on top of that, they came forward to seek justice. Right, to right a wrong, right, of something that they feel like this organization has done incorrectly. And basically what the NFL has said is like, hey, you know what you're worried about? We handled that. Yeah. And the and, and there was, in, in Goodell's terms, there was a summary written about yeah, it. Yeah, and Washington has handled it, and it's all fixed now. And then the question is, well, how do we fix it? And what was wrong? And what was broken? Yeah. And what did they need to fix? We can't say. We can't because tell we're you that. we're trying to protect those that did come forward. But trust us. Yeah. yeah that's a hard one to trust. I don't think you're going to get that. Especially with the Gruden stuff that came out. Right. That was more than open and released and out there. And we, you were... Basically telling us that we're ignorant, right? To think that there is that was the that was it in this entire investigation. Yeah. Again, when we said then, it feels like this was our pound of flesh. We got him. We got a guy. That's not what you were looking for. I'm not saying he shouldn't be gone, but we got him. So look over here. This is the problem. Not all of this that we did all the research on. Dan Snyder has ran that franchise absolutely ridiculously terribly what punishment did he serve that will make him that is just like i better not do that i better not let that happen again right whereas john gruden again not trying to defend him he's out i don't know that he'll work again he should be out yeah no no one has an issue with that but shouldn't dan snyder if if the stuff that is being protected and people are so brave to come forward and, and report which again they are there's got to be some meat there to get have enough to get him out here's also the problem is that the nfl commissioner's entire job is to protect the owners that's it so he's being put in a situation to protect them from themselves mm-hmm. and he's the bad guy in the what's bad is every time this washington story gets told over and over and over it's someone else who's the bad guy. Yeah. Not Washington. It's it's and John, not Snyder. It's, it's Gruden. It's yeah. Allen. It's Goodell. Right. Not Snyder. Yeah. And I think the other owners aren't so quick either because it's like, well, don't look at our I don't uh, want you digging into my past. Exactly. Exactly. But that's what they're doing is protecting protecting their own. All right, tonight it's the Kings and the Suns. We're going to get into that a little bit more and some early season trends, some reaction that we had yesterday from the weekly coaches show with Luke Walton. We'll have all that and more as we get ready for the Kings and the Suns. We'll continue with more straight ahead here on Sports 1140 KHDK. quickly find Harrison Barnes highlights when we're playing Fire Falcon. Keep it going, Chris. Waiting for the hook. The Barnes in the corner. He's got the triple. Number 10 for Sacramento in 24 attempts. Harrison Barnes has 13. I hear some car action out there in the, among the team's oh. thing. Harrison puts it on the floor. He rocks. He fires for three. 
nothing but net. Harrison Barnes has Sacramento back on top. It's 70 to 69. How much will it make your day, life, year, whatever, if that starts being played at the arena? Oh, man, I would love it. You found it. You probably could have told me you sang that. I would have believed it. I think some people think that that is me. <laughs> we'll see what Harrison Barnes has in store tonight for the Phoenix Suns. Harrison Barnes has been absolutely terrific. Uh, we are giving you uh, some of those bleak numbers for the shooting from the Sacramento Kings guards. That has not been good. Barnes on the other side has been absolutely fantastic right now. And you got to figure his numbers will come down a little bit. Some of those other guys' numbers will go up. But uh, it's been great to see Harrison Barnes, just the most consistently steady, really good player this team has. Uh, right now, Harrison Barnes is averaging 28 points per game, 10 rebounds, just under two assists, a steal, uh, no blocks yet, uh, taking care of the ball. Got a couple turnovers a game. Uh, but he's been great. He's been um, there when they've needed him. He's hit big shots, and it's great to see. Now he just needs a little little more help, a little more from the rest of the group. Um, so let's talk more about this matchup, the Kings and the Suns. We, we've kind of touched on it a, ri- a little bit already. Uh, let's hear from Coach, Coach Walton. We we talked to him yesterday, and we'll kind of get his perspective and comment on, on things that he's bringing up. But Kings played three games. They're one and two. There's been some good and some bad. Uh, let's hear from the coach on where they are, where he feels they are right now after after three games. We're much, we're much further along than we were last year. And I know that at the end of the day, everyone counts wins and losses. And that's, you know, that that's what everyone's looking at. And uh, we could easily be better than one and two right now. Um, the truth is we've played three really good Western conference teams. And um, in every game we've had a, you know, a fourth quarter lead and we've played to your point, some really good basketball. We just haven't done it uh, long enough or in those, that final stretch of the game. And, uh, you know that that you know that that takes time. That takes some rhythm, um, and, and we we've gone cold in some of them, and we, our defense has let up in some of them. So we're addressing it. Our players know it, but like I said, it's you know it, it's all about building the the habits and the behaviors that that lead to winning, and how our guys are working. Uh, we're going to get there, and we just have to understand now that we're consistently playing with the physicality. Uh, and the overall effort that allows us to be in these games against other really good teams, uh, the next step for us is the mental part of the game, and, and that's executing down the stretch. That's continuing to push the pace when we're tired. Um, that's not not you know not getting affected, uh, not letting our confidence get affected when uh, Steph hits a, a 35 foot three or the other team goes on a run late. And, and those are the things we're addressing now. And so that's uh, that was the coach from from yesterday. The other thing that would be you know ideal. I don't know how often this is going to happen in, in the way the NBA is constructed now. Um, you know, in the pre- thinking even back to the preseason, rosters are different and things are going differently. But the Kings weren't in those spots a lot. Remember, they won all those games pretty comfortably, with the exception I think of the Laker game. They really kind of had to find a way to win that at the end. But they were getting double digit wins no matter who they played. Now, keep in mind, some games different players were playing for these other teams. But these last three games have all been very, very similar for the Kings. They had a larger lead against Portland. They were moments away from just knocking them out, but didn't, and then had to hang on. Uh, Four minutes to go against the Jazz tie game. They did not finish strong. Jazz finished much better there. 
And then similarly, that within two possessions against the Golden State Warriors, and the Kings didn't finish very well at the end of that game either. So the little tidbits that Coach is talking about there, some fourth quarter issues for the team. Um, let's kind of hear him talk about that, what's going on in the in the final quarter of these games in which, like I said, they've had, they did win one, but they had chances to win the other two. Here's what the coach said yesterday on his weekly show here on those fourth quarter issues. You know, when I go back and rewatch the games, the, the good looks we are getting, we're just not making them right now in the fourth. So that'll take some of the energy out of you when you're getting open looks and missing. Um, some of it is, is fatigue from, look, we're getting into people. We're trying to be aggressive on both ends of the court, play fast. And then the mental aspect that comes with it. Like, we understand it's hard to play that way. We understand you're going to get fatigued. You can't give in to that fatigue. And it feels like right now a little bit, uh, you know, we're we're giving into that fatigue and we're not pushing the ball as much. We're not as crisp with our screen setting and our, and our, uh, our cutting and our execution of our play calls that have been working for us up to that point. Um, and we, we have to push through that. So we go back to the stats that, Chris brought up earlier in the show that uh, Deuce has on social media. Um, offensively, defensively, first half numbers right now. Again, small sample size, a week of the NBA action. The Kings are number six rating offense, number six rated defense. So they're capable. They can do it, but that's for a half. That's not going to get it done. You, if Honestly, if you could pick, you'd probably rather that be the second half. But here's what's happening. What is Coach talking about? Giving into the fatigue. Maybe they are fatigued. I really think this isn't a situation. We haven't yet talked about um, effort or energy. That's not That's not a question, and that's good. That should be non-negotiable. That should be something that you have every night. Now, you don't always play well. You know, shots are missed or, um, you know, off nights in your, in your passing, your shooting, your just attention to detail. Those can happen. You don't want that to be perceived as effort. And a lot of times, I think we get those confused where, Oh, they lose by 20. They didn't bring the effort, the energy. It can be, but it's, it's sometimes it's just you did not play well enough and you just weren't on your game. Now, effort comes a lot on the defense. I think we're seeing that. I think there's an attention there, but that really takes a, a complete, well-rounded two-way game in physical shape and mental shape to handle that. And I think we're seeing a lot of these te- a lot of the decisions that they're making in the fourth quarter as well, what's the easiest way to get through it on offense when you're fighting so hard defensively all game? Let's take that first shot. Well, is the first shot the best one? A lot of times it ends up being a jump shot. If you use your legs, you lose your energy, your mental capacity a lot. Maybe you're not as sharp as you were earlier in the game, and shots are coming up short. So it's one, it's a combination of getting used to playing that way all the way, having a few more go in, and then can you avoid the mistakes just helping out the other team? I mean, even with shots missing, I still think the Kings can win some of these games. The defense has to get better. You can't throw the ball away and just give them easy runouts. And then the other thing that would clearly help this team probably the most to me in my mind, and it's not always on one player, but De'Aaron Fox is their best player. De'Aaron Fox is capable of carrying this team in a quarter, in a half, for a game, for a couple of weeks. You know, he was offensive or Western Conference Player of the Week last year, but could have been multiple times. Uh, had some just staggering runs when he was playing at just this all-star and MVP-type level. He has not been that yet. And uh, De'Aaron Fox was the topic here also with Coach Walton yesterday. 
when we went on those big winning streaks last year, the, the you know the fourth quarter Fox was I mean it's real and, and he you know that's that's part of why there's a lot of responsibility that comes with you know being that guy on whatever team you, you're playing for. Um, and I, I, De'Aaron's defense has been much better this season. Uh, he's doing a good job trying to get to the rim. Last game he didn't get any foul calls, which. Uh, you know, fouls are down around the league, but he, you know, he's trying to get himself going and he's playing hard. He's competing. And right now the shot's just not going for him. So uh, it has, you know, he, he's in the gym again today, getting an extra shot. So it's only a matter of time before that rhythm kicks for his shot. Uh, but, you know, what he's doing a nice job of is he's still helping our team be in position to win, even though uh, the shot's not going. And for him, when that it does start, then that opens up everything else as well. So, um, you know, he's he's done a nice job. He's just he's not making shots right now, but he's he's getting good looks, and and we're confident that he'll knock those down. You know, looking back at last season, kind of that stretch where he's fourth quarter Fox or a difference making guy. Just gonna I'm gonna pick a stretch of games where the Kings won. Let's see, one, two, three, just four in a row last year. This little four game stretch where they beat New Orleans, they beat Boston, they beat Denver, and they beat the Clippers. So, you know, New Orleans, probably the worst team of the bunch, but Boston, Denver, and the Clippers. And without being there in context, right, sometimes you need context and not just stats, but this is what De'Aaron was doing in this stretch. 38 points and 12 assists, followed by 26 points, 11 assists, 36 points and 7 assists, 34 points and 10 assists. Um, before that, a couple games, he had a 43-point game. There's some more 30s and 32, 32, 33, 28, 29, 30, 16. I mean, he's all over the place, but he's consistently in the high 20s or 30s, sometimes creeping up into that 40-point range. But he was fourth-quarter Fox. And there is a responsibility when you are, one, the face of the franchise, considered the best player. I mean, league-wide, people go, who's the best player on the Kings? We're all so close to it. And we we might go, well, right now it's Barnes, or this week it's Holmes. It's Fox. Fox is the best player. Other guys can have the best night, but De'Aaron has the most ability. And for a team that probably needs to get most of its offense by moving the ball, sharing it, getting stuff in transition, part of their transition threat a lot is because of De'Aaron Fox. His speed, his unique, I mean, unique speed, right? It's a league that's fast. He is the fastest of the fast. And so when you have that skill in your, that God-given ability, combined with his other skills, and now his willingness to, I think over the last year and a half, to say, yeah, I guess I am the franchise player. I'm comfortable with trying to put this team on my back. I'm comfortable enough to sit up at a press conference and say, I'm struggling, or I missed the shot, or I didn't come through. Darren Fox has all of that in him now. He does. And he hasn't backed away from the way he started this season. We should also point out it's not like it's miserable. But that's the the scale we get to with De'Aaron Fox. His three games so far, uh, he opened up with a 27-point, 8-assist night against Portland. Didn't shoot very well. Uh, 12 points, 5 assists against Utah, and 17.6 assists against the Warriors. But here's where, where it's slipping on De'Aaron right now. 9 of 22, 40% against Portland. 5 of 19, 26% against Utah, and then a 50% night against the Warriors, but his three-point shooting has left him. 2 of 8, 0 of 5, 1 of 6. Also free throw attempts. 7 of 10, 2 of 4. 0 for 1. That's it. De'Aaron Fox, 
and I know, as Coach Walton said there, and statistics are backing this right now, free throws have gone down across the league. That might be for the better of the league, to be honest, to watch. Um, that's going to be another adjustment period. And you go across the board. I mean, it's not like, oh, they're just they're picking on De'Aaron Fox and the Kings. That's not the case. It's down for regulars to the line. Russell Westbrook, James Harden, the guys that are always there. The guys that when you watch a Kings game and they're playing James Harden, you go, man, 16 free throws. Can we watch him make baskets instead of free throws? Everybody's are down. And Fox is also one of those. So he's got to find his way, however it's being officiated right now. And if his struggles are 18 points a game, it's okay. Shooting percentage will go up. He'll find it. He did last year. It's very similar start, honestly, to a year ago. And I'm not super worried about that. I'm just saying that would be something that would really translate into quantifiable difference. I mean, we can say these things that seem like attention to detail, less turnovers, better um, execution. All those things are important. But how about if just Fox played better in the fourth quarter? You know, when you see, like, tonight's game, there'll be moments where I'm guessing if the Suns win, one of the things we'll reacting to is, well, Chris Paul did what he does. Or Devin Booker was just too good. That happens in the league. Steph Curry, man, just can't handle him. Donovan Mitchell, just too spectacular a talent. There were games last year where we were saying that, but we were saying it about De'Aaron Fox. He was the reason they were winning some of those games. So he has that ability, and I have no doubt it will return, and it just hasn't happened just yet, just yet for him. So I think that's an area that would help considerably for this team if De'Aaron Fox can get cooking and not only be a a good player all game, but fourth quarter, De'Aaron Fox. All right, more from this game and more thoughts from Coach Walton. Let's talk a little bit about the Phoenix Suns, tonight's opponent. One and two coming into this game. They've had their own struggles too, as we said earlier in the show. Uh, Right now, 21st in scoring, 24th in defense after a team that was top six defensively last year, good offensively, a two-seed made the playoffs after a 10-year drought, and then just worked their way all the way through to the NBA Finals. Uh, Yesterday, we talked to Coach Walton about this, and he uh, shared his thoughts on the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, they're they're playing for a championship last few months ago. So, uh, like a lot of teams, the the, the parity in the NBA right now is, is like I've never seen before since coming into the league. And, you know, there's... Every night you're watching games, and it's really good teams battling against each other. And, and you know, they lost their their um, home opener. They've been off for I think three or four days now, and they're going to be you know they're going to be sharp and hungry. And and we we know that. And it, you know we have to come in and do what we do anyways. So it's going to be a really um, hard fought game against a, a team that has a ton of experience that. Um, you know, has some really good players. And we got to go in there and, and do our best to impose our will on the game. Let's see if that's something that uh, they are able to do today. It's to try to avoid, I don't know if it's a trend or a complete way this is going. You like to be in games all the way through the fourth quarter, but all games have been kind of similar here where five minutes to go, it's either team's game. The Kings won one of them. They've lost the last two. Phoenix has had a couple of blowout losses. And, uh, and a win 
uh, against the Lakers so far. So both teams one and two. And, and Coach did talk about something that I think he is right on uh, just a week into the season. The parity in the league. I mean, you, you, we're not in enough time to separate the league entirely. I think there's some teams that will be near the bottom. I think we can identify them, I would say, pretty safely today. But, you know, seasons can change. I do not think much of uh, – and they're going through this on purpose, really, Oklahoma City. They haven't won yet, and they're going to get wins. But I see them near the bottom of this division, of the conference. Um, I think a team like Houston, who's kind of going through a retooling as well, just a complete remodel of what they're doing, uh, might need be near the bottom of the conference. But the rest – what is the order? What is the shakeup and shakedown of this? Um, you've got a couple of 500 teams right now, just through four games, Denver and the Lakers, 2-2. Two and two. Well, tonight we're either going to have the Suns or the Kings at 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Warriors and Jazz, 4-0 and oh and 3-0. and oh. And then <laughs> everyone is either 2-1 and one and 1-2. One and, and again, they're so early. Long, long way to go. But no one's, to me, the clear cut. I've, I've seen stuff on some of those national shows. Are the Warriors the team to beat in the West? I don't think so. They got off to a good start. Good for them. It's just there'll be pockets of the year where maybe a team like uh, the Kings had a 4-0 week. But it's because they're 30 games into the season. We have all that other stuff to look at. This is just the very beginning, and the Warriors have done their part. I believe more in Utah. I honestly think if the Lakers figure things out, I think there's a lot more talent there. But the Warriors will be better, I think, later in the year when they've got more continuity with, with some of their new pieces and certainly when they get Clay Thompson back. But I think across the board, I think I think it's, you know, who is great in the NBA? I don't know if there's a great team. I think there's a lot of good teams, and the Kings are trying to get into, into that mix. So Phoenix was in that mix last year. They had that great year. We just heard that from Coach Walton. Yesterday also had a chance to talk to their radio analyst, Tim Kempton. He's a former player. Uh, here's his thoughts on, on the Suns so far. Yeah, a little inconsistent, especially after the preseason that they had. I thought they uh, they looked really good in the preseason. It looked like they were in midseason form, but obviously the the Denver Nuggets put that uh, put that out of out of the mind thought right away. Um, the Nuggets one was disappointing. Obviously, bouncing back against the Lakers and just ran into a red hot shooting Portland team. So the Nuggets was probably the one that they were most disappointed in. Nuggets shoot 20, uh, was it, 24 of uh, 50 from uh, behind the yard. Suns wow. were only 9 of nine of 27. So, uh, really, uh, everybody got hot up and down the lineup for for the Portland Trailblazers, and they just didn't didn't have enough, uh, enough uh, you know, buckets that night. So, that one wasn't really as bad. But uh, 1 and 2, a little disappointed. Schedule breaks nicely now. You have 5 at home. Um, they had a couple of days off from the Portland game. Everybody should be rested, should be excited to come and play these five games. So, and, and anything less than five, five and zero oh on this homestand, I think, would be a disappointment wow. for this group. Yeah, that that's where a perce- uh, kind of perspective of what they're thinking a five game homestand that is pretty favorable. He had said, "Think about that." Where Phoenix two years ago was working on a 10-year drought of making the postseason. Now it's hey, anything less than 5-0 and at home is disappointing. But that's how quickly things have changed for them because of last year's success. And now a confident team off to a slower start thinks, oh, we're at home for five, six of the next seven. Anything less than 5-0 and would be disappointing. 
Wow. We'll see how that how that goes tonight as it's Kings and the Phoenix Suns. Before we break, uh, I know we're going to have Chris Landry coming up to start the next hour, LandryFootball.com, and then get you to game night at the bottom of the hour. I wanted to give you uh, today's crossover from the morning show. What's happening on the Carmichael Dave Show? Let's find out right now with the crossover. Do you believe it? Here's today's crossover. Crossover time. Jason, it's very, very simple. De'Aaron Fox has been playing off ball with Tyrese Halliburton on ball most of the time. In your opinion, is that the right move? Yes. And I think you're you're talking about offensively, maybe even defensively as well. De'Aaron last year played off ball a lot too with Tyrese Halliburton. I think, yeah, De'Aaron, he needs to be on ball some too, but sure, absolutely. I'll say yes. No problem with that. I think that's the versatility of this backcourt. Um, I think you can have a lot of different people handle the ball. I would probably handle have De'Aaron, Tyrese, and Davion handle the ball the most, uh, and Terrence Davis and Buddy the least. Let them be more catch-and-shoot, spot-up shooters, less playmaking decision-makers, but some, but less of it compared to the other guys. But, yeah, no issue with that at all. So there you go. There's our crossover from the morning show. All right, break time for us. Final half hour. We'll get you to game night at the bottom of the next hour. Kings basketball coming up, and let's get some football talk. Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. He will join us when we come back right here on Sports 1140 KHDK.